Welcome everyone to another episode of Heavy Forehands with Toro. Hope you guys are doing great. This is your host, Felipe Acosta. I'm talking to you guys here from uh, Davis, Sacramento area, and it's 2 a.m. here in California. Uh, I, I drank a big energy drink before going to bed. I, I had to play a big soccer game that we lost in the semis, really tight game. Uh, but I now I have so much caffeine in my body that I need to go and speak to you guys. I need to speak to my followers. So I'm excited to be talking to you once more with you guys. And, and this time we have a couple topics to discuss, but the main thing is we're going to be discussing college tennis and how you can become a professional tennis player coming from playing college tennis. So let's jump right in. I was looking at the tournament results of this week and the last week, uh, and I'm happy to see some of my fellow um, Aggies, the Utah State student athletes, they got some ATP points last week. We saw Nuno from Portugal getting his first ATP points uh, after qualifying and winning the first round match. And this week we have seen Stein from Netherlands. He's playing the semifinals today, Friday, and we wish him the best, best of luck. Uh, I'm so happy for uh, my fellow Utah State players to continue uh, driving that legacy and improving the tennis program of, of Utah State. So best of luck for the next tournament for these guys and best of luck for Stein, like, who is playing the semifinals. And thank you guys, because you guys gave me this idea of launching this next episode of the podcast. First, let's start with this myth, old myth. This is coming a little more from South America or Argentina. That they said that the tennis players that come to the States to get a degree, to play collegiate tennis, are more retiring from professional tennis. And they're just focusing on something else. And once they're graduated, they're moving towards uh, developing their um, professional career in another field. I just want to say that that's, that's wrong. That's, uh, that's just a myth. And, and as you guys are going to see now in the data I'm going to show you, more and more tennis players are coming from college. And why is that? Let's talk about the benefits of playing college tennis and how it can help you to become uh, a professional tennis player. First, you're practicing every week, every day with eight to 10 different tennis players that are in good level, similar level to you, which means that you have competition each week and you can always practice at a really good intensity and really good quality. Why I say this? It sounds like uh, pre-vanilla that, yeah, you can practice with good players, but no, this is sometimes really hard, especially if you are from a tree that doesn't have the best tennis culture or Imagine you're in a, you're living in a city that is removed from some of the tennis, uh, the biggest tennis cities. Uh, especially when I was living in Chascomús, I, I remember Chascomús is a small city in Argentina. Um, every time I was going back on the weekends, there were only a couple of good players to practice with, and we were all practicing uh, all over and over with the same players. Uh, but there was not much rotation. 
once I moved to Buenos Aires, there were many more options uh, of people to, to play with. But it's great to go to an academy, or in this case, you're moving to the United States, and you're going to these big tennis facilities, and you have eight to ten different guys that they are the same, relatively the same level of with you, and you can compete every week and play matches every week. And then you start pushing yourself uh, on how to get better because you don't want to be losing against your teammate weeks and weeks in a row. So that um, that good competition, that healthy competition allows you to get better, becoming a more um, a stronger tennis player. Okay, next. second right here. You practice for free. What do I mean by this? You don't have to pay a damn penny to the coaches in, in the college you attend to. How does this work? The way it works is that you usually you get recruited. Uh, imagine in my, scenario, in my case, I came from Argentina to play college tennis when I was 18 years old. And usually you get an academic or some type of athletic scholarship. And therefore your tuition or education costs are relatively low, hopefully. And you only pay for those academic costs, but you don't pay directly to the athletic community, to the athletics department. The athletic community, the athletic department uh, income, it comes from the overall tuition, the overall budget that is allocated to athletics. So in the other scenario, when you are in an academy, the, co the coaches are providing a service to you and you pay them directly. And it's pretty costly, being honest. Guys, this is, this is really costly. Um, I don't have a hard number right here, but this can add up to 20. $30,000 a year and as an 18, 19 year old to have that money and you don't have, usually don't have a job. So you need to make your parents pay for it. You usually don't have a reliable source of income. The tournaments, the professional tournaments that you play at that age usually don't get a lot of income. So if you have these large expenses, you're going to be running at a net loss for a couple of years if you don't have the good tennis results that you want. And you practice for free for four years and then whatever decision you wanna make after, you can go and play professional tennis and then you're gonna to have to start paying for your coaches. But you save, let's say you spend 20 to 30K each year, you save yourself 80 to 120K just by living in the, in the, in the States and playing collegiate tennis and practicing with a solid coaching staff but just at the college level. Let's jump into the next one. This is a benefit that I love. The next benefit is that you get time to mature. When you're 18 years old, it's impossible to know what you wanna do with life. The, the people that know that what they wanna do, they're great, they're, they're decisive, they are driven, they have the energy and they're ready to attack on the world. But there are a lot, a lot of people, a lot of young fellows that are 18 years old and they like many different things and they want to explore. So having that kind of gap 
from 18 to 21, 22 years, yeah, 22, 21 to 22 years old, give you the opportunity to continue playing tennis. But if you like any other aspects, call it in my case, I really like finance. So I had four years where I was focusing a lot on finance and developing a career in finance. But if I had a chance, I had the, the thought that I didn't like finance, I could say, actually, I gave a chance four years, I prefer to play tennis and go and prof play professional tennis because I was still doing both, practicing at a good tennis level and developing other skills. Another thing about maturity is that a lot of people reach 18 years old and they haven't lived alone. They've been living with their parents since they were born until they were 18 and they never had the opportunity to be independent. So having those four years of independency where they need to be on time for practice, need to be on time for class, develop good habits, develop good communication skills, kind of multitask. Those are skills that are going to carry on. Another big benefit in terms of reducing the cost, saving some money, is in terms of the gear. Guys, when you go and play college tennis at a good school, and also you have a good scholarship and they have a good budget, they pay for your rackets. You guys know how much rackets cost right now? I'm trying some new rackets right now. I'm trying the Pure Strike, the Pure Aero, the Pure Drive. And I'm looking to buy these maybe four rackets and it costs 250 bucks a piece. So I'm gonna spend a thousand bucks just in these porches. And good tennis players, they need to have, they need to rotate rackets every one year. So that's one uh, K a year for four years of college. The guys save at least four K in equipment. And then you also have other type of gear, shirts, socks, uh, and most importantly, shoes. When you play on hardcore every two weeks to one month, uh, the shoes has a big hole uh, and you, you need to get a new one. So uh, that was that was awesome. That was great. And, and it was also great that it was good quality gear. The best colleges in the US, they have contracts with uh, Nike, Under Armour, uh, Adidas. Um, I believe I've seen ASICs. But yeah, the Adidas, Nike, Under Armour are the I would say the top three guys right now in the in the collegiate uh, tennis world and collegiate um, athletics environment. And finally, last point here about the benefits of playing college tennis is that you can also play professional tennis tournaments during the summer, guys. You can guys can go and play tournaments for three or four months during the summer. There is a long break in between ending the spring semester in May or April and starting again in August, September for the fall semester of the next academic year. So you have that nice gap in between where you can go and play a bunch of futures if you want to become a professional tennis player or you can go and practice to an academy and work on whatever stroke or whatever aspect of your game that you really need to work on. And I've seen also really good tennis coaches that offer you 
tennis coaches in the college level that will tell you if you want to stay here in 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 college for the summer you can take summer classes and we can go and practice and the coaches are usually happy to do that they they like when players stay around and they continue continue to work on their game it's not a drag on them they're happy to have you there and con and and they can see you continue working on your game and getting better so having those those four summers which turns into is like an additional year that you can use to either play professional tennis play, uh, tournaments or continue developing your game uh, more on, on the practice training side or also on the fitness side. All right, guys, that's all on the benefits of how college tennis can help you to become a professional tennis player. That was really high level. I'm, I'm saving my bullets here. I have a couple interviews planned uh, with some of my coaches and some of my old teammates. Uh, so I want to leave some some stories, some some specific details for the future, and and I want you guys to come back to my podcast to listen to that episode. So I'm gonna I'm saving my bullets. So let's jump into some of the downsides of playing college tennis instead of playing professional tennis. One of the main potential downsides is that your level. Imagine you're a really good tennis player, call it 500, 600 ATP. And then you end up playing at a college where there's a big level disparity for your game and your teammates game. Therefore, you will be always playing against players that are uh, of a lower level. And like I said in previous podcasts, you need to play in order to develop your game, you need to be playing players all around. Players that are better than you, players on the same level, and players that are worse than you. So if you end up end up in a college where you're the top player, you're the star, it's going to be good because the coach is going to try to take care of you and try to continue developing your game and maybe going to try to center the practice around you and try to take care of you. But you won't have the good competition I was talking about of having eight to ten good tennis players that can push you. It's gonna be different. You're gonna have um, you're gonna be winning every week if you are at really that high level. But this scenario doesn't happen as much, especially if you go if you go to good a good school, call it a power five school. All right, let's go to the second downside. This one is, this is uh, something that I hear around about. I have a bunch of friends that play college tennis and continue to play college tennis. And I seen this trend and it's regarding conditioning and fitness overall in the United States, uh, specifically for tennis. Usually the fitness coaches that are in the college environment they come from a basketball and football background. So their specificity is in those sports. And the guys that usually work with the, with the tennis teams and, and secondary teams, let's call it, are guys that are just starting their career as football and basketball coaches 
and they are giving this uh, sport, this tennis sport, as a way to continue developing their skills in fitness and coaching overall. But they are not experts in tennis. So their specificity is not there, and therefore they try to apply some football or, or basketball training into tennis, which doesn't translate well. There are some aspects that are uh, applicable, such as trying to be explosive. But if you go to a tennis academy, you usually have a fitness coach that is thinking about tennis 24-7, and he's on top of the uh, tennis trends on how to improve the first step, how to jump higher for the serve, and X, Y, and Z. But that's not happening in college tennis, at least of what I've seen. And, and I think this is something that is tough to take care of because it's, it's four years of, of developing your fitness skills where you're not doing specific drills. But there are ways that you can fix it. You can be, uh, you can stay in contact with a coach from... Uh, from when you were practicing in a tennis academy, uh, you can tell the coach, uh, uh, you can tell the fitness coach that this is not helping you as much, and maybe he can work a way around. You can also watch YouTube videos on how to uh, improve some of your skills uh, on the court in regarding movement. So there are ways that you can go around, and and since you're practicing, it's still like really good tennis level in, on the court, uh, this kind of tends to take care of and it, it ends up not being an issue. All right, guys, let's go to the next kind of downside that I see is that in these four years that you're going to be spending playing college tennis from 18 to 21, 22 years old, it may be hard for you to see the end goal you might think that playing professional tennis is so far away and you might end up losing your motivation or you might end up losing your track. Uh, you, you might think, okay, I can, I can slack off in this practice. I can take some time off. It's going to be fine. I'm just going to be playing um, less time this practice because I still have like three years and to get ready to play pro. And those small decisions start adding up. And those four years, like I said before, it's time to mature and it's time to develop your game. That's why I said that it's great to have coaching for free for four years, uh, for four years straight. It's in order to improve your game. It's not for you to slack off and think that the end goal is so far away. So keeping your motivation up during those four years is key if you want to play professional tennis after you graduate. Okay, guys, this is this was more of the qualitative section of the podcast, some of the benefits, some of the downsides. And like I said, I'm going to expand on some of these ones. This was generic, and we can expand on more on, on some next episodes. So let's talk about the numbers right here. Let's talk about the numbers in terms of college tennis and how it's, um, how it's playing out at the ATP Pro level. All right, guys, in front of me, I have all the players that are currently ranked 
in, in at the ATP level and that play they are playing college right now or they play college at some time in during their during their life. So I'm looking from the top 10 to the top thousand top 1500 in the world. So I'm looking at all the players uh, right now and this is the ranking as of last week. So do you guys know how many college tennis players or ex college tennis players are ranked in the at the ATP level? The number might surprise you. There are 427 players that played college tennis at some moment in their career. A number that is more interesting. Of out of the top hundred, the first the top hundred people in the ranking, players on the ranking, fourteen of them play college tennis, and I'm gonna give you the names of all of those. We're gonna start with rank number thirteen at the ATP level. It's Cameron Norrie, um, the British player. He played at TCU. Next guy that we have here, and not, ma not many people know uh, about this, about the next player that he played college tennis, actually. We got Francisco Cerundlo from Argentina, and, and Fran played at South Carolina for uh, one year or one season, let's call it. Next one, we have Christopher Eubanks. Eubanks. He, he's been doing great. He was on the 200, 250 uh, rankings for a couple of years. And then in the last two years, he started doing better in the, the challenger level. And now in Wimbledon, he made quarterfinals. So he played for Georgia Tech and he played three years there. So he did not play his senior year. And that's going to be a trend that we're going to continue seeing with these players. Cameron Nori didn't play a senior year, so he left school early. Same for, same for uh, Franz Erundulo and same for Christopher Eubanks. Next one on the list, we have Ben Shelton, who played for Florida. And he, he was into his second year, uh, so his sophomore year in college. But since he was doing so well, he decided to dedicate his time now for, to play professional tennis only. Next one we have is JJ Wolf, who played for Ohio State. He did not play his senior year, neither, and and he's now ranked 45 in the world. So we have Cameron Nori, 13 in the world, Francisco Segundo, 21st, then we have Christopher Eubanks, 29th, and then we have Ben Shelton, ranked at number 43. Now we have 45 JJ Wolf. Next one we have Janik Hafman from Germany and he played for USC and he's uh, of all these players this is the only uh, only one so far that played four seasons and uh, he's ranked number 50 in the world right now good for Janik next one on the list is Mackenzie McDonald and um, another American player he played for UCLA great school uh, in Los Angeles Mackenzie McDonald has been on the circuit for already four or five years, and you guys have seen him um, this year beating uh, Rafa Nadal at the, at the Australian Open, at the Aussie Open. Next one, we have Alexander Bobek, who played for Illinois. 
and he played all four seasons. Then we have Arthur Rindernech, he who played for Texas A&M, and he's from from France, and he played four seasons as well. Then we have Marcos Giron, he played for UCLA. He's American, and he did not play all four seasons. He didn't play his senior year, and he wanted because he wanted to go pro. Then we have Brandon Nakashima who played uh, for Virginia only for one year, I believe so. And he, he's one of the younger guys in this list. And next we have Nuno Borges uh, from Portugal, played for Mississippi State and played all four years. Nuno is ranked 79 in the world. Next one is Dominic Koffer, played for Tulane, also played all four years. And the last one on the list here is Maxine Kersey, the tall guy, big server, flat forehand, really good net game. He's 96 in the world right now, and he played for UCLA. So we have seen some uh, already three players from UCLA, and these players are ranking the top 100. So like I said, 14 players in the top 100 right now. They all play college tennis. And then we have way more on the... On the two, top 200 as well, we have 11 additional players. So we have 25 players in the top 200. That's more than 10%. That's 12.5% to be more exact. And, and I don't know if you guys were aware of this, but I was really impressed while looking at this data. I was always tracking who were the, uh, the college tennis players who were active on the tour, but I was surprised to see that 14 were ranking the top 100. Guys, that's impressive. That's amazing. That's against um, that myth that I said before early on of how going to college uh, kind of closes or puts an end to your professional tennis career. It's, it's the opposite, guys. There's... College tennis is a funnel uh, for to become a professional tennis player. It's awesome. All right, guys. And now the last last segment here of the podcast, we have some of the all-time great, some of the older guys that are now retired or outside of this um, top, top 100 ranking that I just mentioned. And I'm going to mention, do some special mentions for some uh, pro professional tennis players, pro tennis players that you guys know. And, and yeah, let's, let's jump right in. So first one on this list of professional tennis players that also play college is John Eastner. He played for Georgia, University of Georgia. Next one, we have Kevin Anderson. You guys remember Kevin? From South Africa, he made final of Wimbledon in 2018, final of US Open in 2017, ranked top 10 for at least two, three years. He played for Illinois. You got James Blake, he played for Harvard. John McEnroe played for Stanford University. John McEnroe, guys. Jimmy Connors played for UCLA. Another guy that played for UCLA. I think I mentioned four already. And then the last one as I have here is uh, Bob Ryan and Mike Ryan, who both played uh, at Stanford Univers University. Uh, and yeah, guys, that's only a couple of the 
great names that we have that some that will also play professional tennis. All right, guys, this been a fun one. I really enjoyed this one. Um, it was great to connect how um, my fellow teammates from Utah State or you fellow USU players are doing well at the tour level, getting those ATP points, and we continue wish them the best of luck in the rest of the tournament this summer. And, and this podcast was trying to encourage those collegiate tennis players that they can go ahead and play professional tennis if they want to. The numbers are there. There are people doing it. So go ahead and give it a try. Give it a shot. And, and you guys are going to be successful. Yeah, people are being successful at it. So keep at it, guys. Um, so this is it for all, guys. I really, like I said, like I really enjoyed this one. And please follow me on social media at Costa one on Instagram. Please also subscribe to my, my channel to, with heavy forehands with Toro. And then I'm also on YouTube that I'm, I'm trying this uh, new video version. Uh, and also I'm launching my own website coming up in a couple of weeks where I'm going to try to release some written content. Okay, guys, that's been all for now. It's really early or really late. It depends on when you're listening to this podcast. I'm tired and you need to go back to bed. I woke up, like I said, at 1.40 in the morning. So... All right, guys. Thank you so much. We'll see you in the next one.